one lesson that was drilled into my head as I grew up in rural Oregon was that the government is not to be trusted. So now instantly pops into your mind all the right-wingers and Tea Party crazies that you know, because reasonable people, and liberals are eminently reasonable, don't believe that the government is trying to hurt us. But if you grew up anywhere near Oregon and Idaho and other places where militia are present, you may not have been raised by reasonable people. And in other parts of the country where rednecks hold sway, you'll find that a healthy mistrust of the government is common fare for all young people growing up. Young people all over the country are taught by their parents and grandparents not to trust the government. Hillary would call such people a basket of deplorables. Yes, we are talking about white, rural people, and many on the left have been taught to think of them as the enemy. But in these times when we're differentiating between liberals and leftists, and there's a big difference, what we're finding is that people on the far right can shake hands with people on the far left if they will, in agreement that the government is not to be trusted. When you say defund the police, when you say defund the military, you're saying defund the government. Or at the very least, you're saying defund the government's ability to control its own people. The Black Lives Matter movement is saying defund the government's ability to use violence on its own people. So yes, rural white people are going to have to embrace black lives and say that we all are in this together. But racism is not inherited in our DNA. Racism is taught. So once the beleaguered black people and the beleaguered white people figure out that we're all in this together, that's when the tide will turn. Now, if you still haven't accepted the idea that the government is our enemy, you just need to read a little more of Caitlin Johnstone. Not only is the U.S. government the enemy of its own people, it's the enemy of people the world over. Tens of millions of people displaced by the war on terror, in air quotes, the greatest scam ever invented, by Caitlin Johnstone. A new report from Brown University's Costs of War Project has found that at least 37 million people have been displaced as a result of America's so-called war on terror since 9-1-1. A conservative estimate of a number that may actually be somewhat between 48 million to 59 million. That number, at least 37 million, happens by pure coincidence to be the exact same number of Americans reported to suffer from food insecurity because their government spends their wealth and resources killing and displacing people overseas. This inconvenient revelation, which was actually reported on by the New York Times for once, is causing conniptions for all the right people with the Washington Post's neoconservative war propagandist Josh Rogan ejaculating, the New York Times should be ashamed for running this as analysis. Blaming the U.S. for the displacement of 7 million Syrians is crazy and dishonest. Way to launder anti-American propaganda. I'd like to hear what Richard Medhurst would say about that. And while I'm stopped, let's mention that Richard Medhurst has been awake all night covering the Julian Assange trials and tweeting about it. He also managed to put together, before he went to sleep, a YouTube video that is a summary of the trial proceedings. Back to Caitlin. 
Sure, Josh, it's not like the extremist forces who flooded Syria with the goal of toppling Damascus were backed by the U.S. and its allies and sprung into existence as a direct result of the regional destabilization caused by Western interventionism in the name of fighting terror. Oh, wait, no, that's exactly what happened. This has been one of the major forms of damage, of course, along with the deaths and injuries that have been caused by these wars. The lead author of the report, David Vine, told the New York Times. It tells us that the involvement in these countries has been horrifically catastrophic, horrifically damaging in ways that I don't think that most people in the United States, in many ways myself included, have grappled with or reckoned with in even the slightest terms. Tens of millions of people forced to flee their homes in desperation as a result of the violence and destabilization caused by U.S. interventions justified by the need to fight terrorism. How many Americans have indeed grappled with or reckoned with this in the slightest terms? Contemplated the scale and the depth of the suffering those interventions are causing real human beings with the same capacity for anguish as themselves asked themselves if the ends really justify the devastating means, and perhaps most importantly, asked themselves if they are quite sure who the real terrorists are in this situation. Mark Ames tweets, At least 37 million people have been displaced as a direct result of the wars fought by the United States since 9-11. Does not include the millions of other people who have been displaced in countries with smaller U.S. counterterrorism operations. The war on terrorism is just high-budget, mass-scale terrorism, and it creates more terrorism of the ordinary variety as well. Suicide bombings have been unequivocally shown to be almost entirely the result of Western interventionism. They were simply a non-issue in Iraq and Afghanistan prior to U.S. invasions there, for example. The war on terror is not only terrorism itself, it is an established fact that it actually creates more of the type of terrorism it purports to eliminate. And why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't destroying and destabilizing entire nations cause people to want to fight back against you? It is self-evident that it would just using your own empathy and understanding of human nature. As Jonathan Marshall wrote for Consortium News in 2017, the most authoritative new study of the source of terrorism and insurgency on the continent, Journey to Extremism in Africa, September 2017, finds that what triggers many individuals to join violent groups are incidents of government-sponsored violence, such as killing of a family member or a friend or arrest of a family member or friend. These findings throw into stark relief the question of how counterterrorism and wider security functions of governments in at-risk environments conduct themselves with regard to human rights and due process, concludes the report based on interviews with more than 500 former members of militant organizations. State security actor conduct is revealed as a prominent accelerator of recruitment rather than the reverse. These findings suggest that a dramatic reappraisal of state security-focused interventions is urgently required. Numerous other experts have drawn similar conclusions from conflict zones in the Middle East and Asia. 
In 2008, Iran Corporation report on lessons for countering Al-Qaeda warned the U.S. military to resist being drawn into combat operations in Muslim societies since its presence is likely to increase terrorist recruitment. Military force usually has the opposite effect from what is intended. It is often overused, alienates the local population by its heavy-handed nature, and provides a window of opportunity for terrorist group recruitment. Similarly, the Stimson Task Force on U.S. Drone Policy, composed of former senior officials of the CIA, Defense Department, and State Department, warned in 2014 that U.S. strikes had strengthened radical Islamic groups in the Middle East, Africa, and South Asia. There is simply no doubt whatsoever that the war on terror does the exact opposite of what it purports to do in every conceivable way. This is an utterly and indisputably established fact. So why does it continue then? Why is this mass-scale project of intervention and occupation not just continuing but actually escalating, despite the fact that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that all it does is create more misery, displacement, and terrorism? Easy, because that's exactly what it's designed to do. Step one, destroy nations and displace tens of millions of people. Step two, wait for some of those people to hate you and want to fight back. Step three, use their desire to fight back as justification to repeat step one. That kind of sounds like what the feds are doing in Portland, Oregon, doesn't it? It also sounds a lot like what the police have been doing to black people over decades. And then we can fill our prisons with slave laborers. Perhaps the single greatest scam ever devised is the way the U.S. centralized empire found that it can kill and displace people in geostrategically crucial and resource-rich regions under the guise of fighting terrorism. Then, when violence and extremism inevitably arises out of that mass-scale trauma, they can use it to justify even more interventionism under the guise of fighting terrorism. It's an endless, self-reinforcing, positive feedback loop of violence and it enables imperialist forces to move ever more troops, bases, and war machinery into the areas they need to lock down to help them choke off nations that disobey them. The more devastating interventionism there is, the more people want to fight the forces that are inflicting that devastating military interventionism. The more people want to fight the forces that are inflicting that devastating military inventionism, the more devastating military inventionism can be justified to an American public that doesn't grapple with or reckon with it in even the slightest terms. And the oil keeps flowing, and the money keeps stacking, and the beat goes on. We are ruled by monsters. So when I was taught as a child not to trust the U.S. government, I was being taught correctly. Unfortunately, I was not taught to distrust the police. And Ammon Bundy probably wasn't either until he came into contact with the police as an adult. Now, was Ammon Bundy right about everything he was fighting the police on? No, probably not. But at least he has the general concept right. Police, military, equals government. Government shouldn't be trusted. That party has right. I'm from Oregon, so I know how to say malheur as opposed to malheur. Just wanted to let you know in advance. Ammon Bundy, an anti-government activist who led the 41-day armed takeover of the Malheur National Wildlife Refuge back in 2016, 
expressed support for the Black Lives Matter movement and for defunding the police in a recent Facebook video. He said in the video that he had considered attending near his home in Boise, Idaho, a rally with the Black Lives Matter in support of defunding the police because yes, the police need to be defunded. He decided not to attend the rally, citing concerns about potential violence from fellow, quote, patriots who have criticized his stance on the issue. I don't know if I even have any childhood friends left who haven't disowned me or whom I haven't blocked on Facebook. But if there are any of you left, John Sitzma, I think, I think you're still on my list. Paul Doherty, there are a few of you left. If you're watching this, maybe you'll join me in trying to get our fellow, quote, patriots to get on board with this idea. If you don't trust the government, you shouldn't trust the military and you shouldn't trust the police. And we should be fighting together with the Black Lives Movement to overthrow our government. It's clear to Bundy that we need a new American revolution. And that's absolutely true. We're never going to solve our problems by voting. So we need to pick up our pitchforks, our guillotines, our muskets, whatever else we can grab. And we need to overthrow our government. If this sounds like a wild Tea Party idea, it's also a wild leftist idea. Remember the Bolshevik Revolution? Americans haven't yet decided to grapple with how awful our government is around the world and to its own people. But once you wake up and see how evil the fucking government is, then you'll say, holy shit, yes, we need an actual revolution. And you militia people, that's why the Second Amendment was written. We need to bear arms so that the government isn't more powerful than we are, so that the military and the police can't overpower us. We need our own weapons. Now to the reasonable liberals, and I don't care if this offends you or not, but if the reasonable liberals I work with and live with are offended by this, I'm sorry. I know you didn't grow up the way I did, but you need to come to terms with what we're up against with the United States government. And by living with, I wasn't referring there to people who are in my actual household. I admit that it's easier for me with my upbringing to take to this idea and bring it forward than it is for you. But we don't have much time to think. Our planet is dying and people all over the world are dying and our own people are dying. We need to figure this out and we only have a short amount of time to do it. And being privileged and being comfortable and trying to maintain the status quo is the same thing as just going down with the Titanic. Well, I know the Titanic is sinking, but you know, I just don't feel like doing anything about it. No, I don't need lifeboats. We're on an unsinkable ship, right? No, as much as you may disagree with rednecks like Bundy, you've got to admit that he has this part right. Bundy says, anyone who doesn't understand his support for the movement, the Black Lives Movement, must have a problem, he said. You must have a problem in your mind if you think that somehow the Black Lives Matter is more dangerous than the police, he said. You must have a problem in your mind if you think that Antifa is the one going to take your freedom. Bundy went on to blame conservative talk show hosts for adding a negative connotation to certain key phrases like defund the police, which he called the right thing to do, as police have become a huge authoritarian bureaucracy that will take away our liberty. He criticized his followers for supporting law enforcement and the military even when they're doing terrible things across the world. Yes! 
I'm not saying that everything they're doing and every person in it, don't get me wrong, are doing that, but there needs to be a defunding of government in general and especially the police forces because they're the ones who are actually going to seek and destroy us. Now this may be the craziest shit you ever watched on YouTube, but remember, we're all frogs, not to mention sheep, and we're all simmering in the hot water. We're all frogs boiling in a pot and the water's getting hotter and there isn't any time left to warn you. You need to hear some crazy shit. And if that shit causes you to jump out of the pot before the pot boils you, that's a good thing. And I should also say, based on what I just heard Noam Chomsky tell Jimmy Dore about censorship, the reason we need to overthrow our government is because private industries have taken over our government. What we need is a government that's strong enough to resist multinational, transnational corporations and give the power back to we the people. We don't need to abolish government and have a small government or no government. We just need a government that's strong and able to represent its own people.